In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly King, Paraclete, Spirit of Truth, you who are everywhere present and fill all things, treasury of all that is good, master of life, come dwell within us, cleanse us from all stain, and save our souls, O good one. Mary, cause of our joy, pray for us. We're now going to continue uh, reflecting on John's Gospel. We are in chapter 7, uh, where our Lord is at this feast of Sukkot, Tabernacles. And it is the one that, uh, you see, it continues the, the theme which we found in chapter 6, God caring for his people by feeding them with manna in the desert. And our Lord said, I'm the new Moses, and from now on, your wandering in the desert will be fed by my body and my blood. Now we're in chapter 7, down to 10. This big block is on the Feast of Sukkot, which was the... There was a saying, if you've never known the joy of the Feast of Sukkot, you've never known joy. And so... It, it's uh, and there's two facets to it there's water and light and so up to a certain point in this text we're treating of the water which is the spirit and then we're going to treat of the light now last time we saw the introduction to all of this uh, down to verse 24 before we begin though I want to speak about another image, exactly, the image of water. What does that evoke uh, in the mind of a biblically literate person? I mean, who really knows the Bible. Well, the, the basic symbol for, in this regard, is God's care for his people in the desert. And we have perhaps the same incident twice in um, uh, the Bible, in Exodus 17 and Numbers 20. In both of these, the people are complaining. Give us water to drink. And Moses said, Why do you find fault with me? Why do you put the Lord to the proof? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, what they always say at this point, right? Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the rod with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And they called the name of their place Masa Merivah because of the fault finding of the children. That's the Masa part. And the Merivah, the contestation, because they put the Lord to the proof and saying, is the Lord among us or not? Probably that same event is retold in the book of Numbers. Uh, and this is the basic image, you see? This idea of water. And so I want to look at some of these texts, the water from the rock, 
It's, it's in Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and some of the Psalms. Huh? Then your heart will be lifted up and, you, for, and your, you forgot the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and test you. You see? And then it goes on to talk about in Nehemiah, you brought water from them out of the rock. This incident, which must have been a great miracle, is imprinted on the memory of Israel. And so it's in, ex- it's in uh, uh, Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. It's in Nehemiah. It's in Isaiah. They did not thirst when he led them through the desert. He made water flow from them from the rock. He split open the rock and the water gushed out. Psalm 78, the same thing. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them to drink. They asked and he brought quails. He gave them then. And then water gushed out. It flowed through the desert like a river. So you can see in how many places in the Bible this work of God is recorded. I just can't think this is a fairy tale. You know, this is something God did. Uh, and it's remarkable. It's going to form, as I'm sure you can already guess, huh? Um, let anybody thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Because out of his midst will flow rivers of living water. Now that text was then adapted for the new temple. The water will flow from the temple like it did from the rock. Then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and there water was flowing from below the threshold toward the east, and the water was flowing down from below to the south end of the threshold of the temple south of the altar. And then he brought me out by way of the north. This is Ezekiel 47. This is the vision of the great temple of the last times, who is Jesus. We already know that. If we can recall, let's see how these things hang together. The Jacob had that dream. He was going to anoint that. He anointed that song stone and said, "This is going to be the place of the the shrine, the Bethel." And then he had the dream of the angels going up and down, and that's why he said this about the Bethel. Jesus says, "You're going to see the angels going up and down on the Son of Man, because the Son of Man, myself, is the new temple." So then. Uh, I, I forgot to tell you, first, it's in, it's in First Corinthians as well. You see where we have, uh, I want you to know that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud. All ate the same supernatural food and drank the same supernatural wine, uh, supernatural drink. But they drank from the supernatural rock which followed them. And the rock was Christ. That's a tradition, that the rock followed them. Uh, Now, these things are a warning for us. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did. Now, how did they put Christ to the test? He wasn't incarnate yet, but he was there. That's a very important, it's so important that some of the scribes in antiquities, no, no, they can't mean he put, he can't mean he put Christ to the test. Must mean he put, uh, uh, they put uh, the Lord to the test. So they changed the text. Um, anyway, in Ezekiel, then, it's the temple. 
Same in the prophecy of Joel, which is building on Ezekiel. The mountains shall drip sweet wine, hills shall flow with milk, the stream beds of Judah shall flow with water, a fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord, the Lord, and water the Wadi Shittim. So you see, this is looking forward how what happened in the desert is going to happen at the end times. But now it'll come from the temple. Uh, then there's a whole other series of texts. The water will come from Jerusalem. And I want to read one of these. I'm doing this so you get the sense that when you start talking about the Feast of Sukkot, you're commemorating this water from the rock. That's why they go down to the, 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 uh, the pool of Siloam and take the water and bring it back up and pour it out. You see, it, it's a remembering what God did. And so, uh, in, Ze- in Ezekiel, I'm sorry, Ze- uh, Zechariah 13, on that day a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. A fountain opening up. Or again, on that day living water shall flow out from Jerusalem. Now not just the temple, but Jerusalem. Now the governing symbol is Ezekiel's as we move it into John. Who's pulling all the desert tradition into the temple. And that tradition is then extended by Zechariah. It's the whole Jerusalem. You see? And I want to just... Um, and the Lord will become king over all the earth. This is eschatological now, the end. And on that day the Lord will become one and his name one. Everybody will recognize one true God and his name, Adonai. Those who survive of the nations that have come against Jerusalem and shall go up year after you to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and keep the festival of tabernacles. Now the whole world is going to keep Sukkot. And then it's from there that this water flows, you see. Then we have texts that talk about water at the end times. I am done. It is done in Revelation 21.6. The beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift to, to, uh, from the spring of the water of life. I'm trying to create for you this sense that we're going to record now a, a part of the conversation where this word will not come. But the minute we go into the next section, which will be for next week, we start right away with the last and greatest day of the feast. At the moment, if you remember, back when we started this, uh, this text is saying, you see, that this is the uh, middle of the feast. Mezuzis. And then, in 37, it's the last and greatest day of the feast. Okay. So now, we're ready to start to listen to this text. The Feast of Sukkoth, first I want to tell you about it. People came together in the Temple Esplanade. Thousands. There were these great, big uh, things full of olive oil and a wick, like a candle. And it was so big that the young man had to climb up on a ladder to light it. That's the light part of the feast, which we will see. It's in John 9. Now we're in the water part of the feast. Every day, the priest took a silver jug, went down to the pool of Siloam, filled it with water, came up, and then 
another assistant poured it in a way that it went out into the temple precincts. That was a prayer for rain. To this day, though of course there's no ceremony at the temple, it's a mosque now, but they still observe the Feast of Sukkot. They build the booths, which is part of the feast. And all the Palestinians, Muslim and Christian, wait to see if it's going to rain during Sukkot, because that's a good sign. How you can be watching how they worship God, or what good it's going to do you, and then still say enemies, it's a different world. Um, but anyway, they all watch. It's a good sign if it rains during the Jewish feast of Sukkot. Okay? So, the feast then was these two parts. There were songs. Oh, if you read the Mishnah, the Mishnah is a codification of a whole group of enactments put together in the year 200 by Rabbi Judah the Prince to implement in a very practical way the things that are said in the scriptures. Get them down to practical, practical. It got exaggerated after a while, but the Mishnah has some beautiful things about these feasts. How important is the feast? And so there's the this the singing and dancing. The great miracle workers and the wise men are juggling torches and catching them again. One famous rabbi, I forgot his name right now, could do it with six. It was a big, happy time because they were remembering what God had done for them. Do you see how at the end of Mass we should all be dancing and clapping, remembering what Jesus, the Son of God, God himself, God from God, light from light, has done for us. He's poured out his blood, and he's not just got us into the promised land, he's got us into eternal life.